invite you to give your attention to the reading of God's word from Mark chapter 4. Listen to these words. And again he began to teach by the sea. The great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him uh, with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear... Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold some 60, and some 100. Tonight we're taking another important step in establishing the Oklahoma City Reformed Presbyterian Church. The installation of a pastor is a significant event because we see this as part of God's good gift in proclaiming the gospel and in establishing his kingdom here on earth. Ephesians 4 says that he has given some to be pastors for the edification of the body. And so we see tonight as an important role on this. 
On this occasion, I'd like to call your attention to this parable of the sower, as it expresses several principles that shape our vision of the church in general, and for the Oklahoma City congregation in particular. So in these words tonight, I have some ways in which I want to exhort you, Stephen, as pastor of the Oklahoma City Mission Church. But I also want to address the entire congregation, for you all have a role in scattering the seed of the gospel, of sharing your faith with others and seeking to win them to the Lord. First, I want you to see from this parable that Jesus is the one who has come to bring salvation to mankind, that he is the one who sows the word, who sows the seed of the gospel. Ultimately, he is the Lord of the harvest. He is the one who sows the word that you see in verse 14 and other parables that have to do with the sowing of the seed very specifically identify Jesus Christ as the one who comes to sow that word. And that concept really forms our understanding of the work of the pastoral ministry that God has given to the church and particularly to the pastor of the church, the proclamation of the gospel. It is an authoritative proclamation that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, who rules over the church, who rules over the world, and who is the one who comes to call people to salvation. And in that proclamation of the gospel, Stephen, you are doing Christ's work and proclaiming that there is a Savior from sin. The rest of the scriptures confirm this. By the authority granted to Jesus Christ, he commissioned his disciples And therefore, the church descending from them to go and to make disciples of the nations around. He sent the church out preaching and teaching and baptizing. And he has given the word as that seed to be scattered into this community and around the world. It is that free offer of the gospel that Jesus Christ authorizes you as a pastor to proclaim and to scatter the seed in this community. It is an an offer that says, come to Christ, all who are weary and downtrodden. Come to Christ, for there you will find remission of sins. That is the Lord's work. He is the one who, who is granted that authority to give the forgiveness of sins. And Stephen, I pray that God would give you boldness to proclaim that through all the years of your ministry. We have seen it and enjoyed it in Stillwater and now in Oklahoma City. And we pray that the Lord would fan into flames that gift that the Lord has given to you, as well as the trust that comes with that. Your king has called you. Proclaim his message. And as a church... Christ calls you and equips you in a variety of ways to participate in this scattering of the seed of the gospel. And that does include the authoritative proclamation, which is the preaching of God's word, which is given to ministers of the gospel. But there is also the work of of every member, that, that, that gospel and evangelism that carries 
you out into your community to share your faith with others. You, too, spread the seed of the gospel, not in that preaching sense, but whenever you tell how much God has done for you. Remember the demoniac and what Jesus told him to do. Go home and tell what God has done for you. And as you relate that to your friends and your neighbors, you're scattering the seed of the gospel. Or like the blind man who Jesus commends and comforts, the blind man who testifies to the Pharisees who came and questioned him, by what authority are you saying these things? And how is it that you can now see? And he said, well, All I know is that once I was blind and now I see, and Jesus did that. And so, too, you have the same opportunity and the privilege to tell how much God has done for you. And what a privilege it is to participate in this kingdom work in a way that shares the good news that you have received yourself. Do that with joy knowing that you have found forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Let that overflow into the relationships that you have in this community. And do it with boldness, knowing that Christ is the one who has sent you out to do that very thing. And do it without fear, because you know you come in the name of the Lord. Secondly, I want you to notice from this parable, what is probably best known about this parable is that some receive the word, but others reject it. It is probably the best-known part of the parable because Jesus uses such vivid illustrations to help us understand this. I imagine that even the youngest child here can probably understand this. Maybe your parents have taken you out to plant seeds in a garden, and you know that You need to dig up the dirt a little bit and put that seed down in the ground and give it some water so that it will grow. Well, imagine if you take that seed and you put it on the sidewalk. That seed is not going to grow. Instead, what's going to happen? Well, the birds will come and will eat it up and fly away, right? That seed is not going to grow. And Jesus said there are people like that who hear the word of the gospel, but their hearts are so hard that it has no root whatsoever. And Satan comes and snatches that seed and flies away. Some seed fell on that hard ground. There are people who are dead in their sins in every community, but uh, here in Oklahoma City. I don't think I need to convince you of that. There are people who are deaf to the call of Christ that comes to them and appeals to them to flee the wrath that is to come. And even though you earnestly implore them The seed takes no root. Instead, the evil one comes and snatches it away. 
And I want you to take note of the spiritual nature of the work that you do. The enemy is real. Don't ever doubt that. The enemy is real and opposes Christ, and all of mankind is born in this condition. And it is only by the grace of God that there is a brokenness of heart that the seed may take root. Go back to point number one. It is the work of Jesus Christ that brings that about. But in the scattering of the seed, you'll find that the enemy opposes that scattering. And those that are unconvinced, those that are dead in their sins, that seed is foolishness to them. I say this so that you would not be surprised that as you go scattering the seed that some will go unnoticed. Some will even despise you for doing that. Know then that the enemy is real and opposes Christ. But know even more surely that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And don't be afraid. Some will hear. And some will be converted. Because that is the Lord's will. And that's why Jesus came. And some seed fell among the rocks where the soil is shallow. Let me ask the kids again, when you go out and plant those seeds in your garden, what would happen if instead of covering them over with dirt, you cover them over with rocks? Well, it may be that the seed will spring up, but those rocks are specially made to, uh, to catch the, the warmth of the sun, and here in Oklahoma, as the sun catches that warmth that heats those rocks up and it burns up anything that tries to grow in its midst. So if you put rocks over your seeds, you may get something that sprouts, but it's not going to last very long. And Jesus says there are some people like that. Some people are shallow. They hear the word of God superficially, as it were. They seem to receive it with joy and quickly spring up. There's, there's signs of life. There's something there that appeals to them. And so there's growth that seems to spring up. But then at the first sign of difficulty, they wilt away. Don't be surprised if you experience this in the work of the church. Don't be surprised if you find that there are some that jump into the labor of the church, but then all of a sudden seem to be uninterested. Don't be deterred by that, because the gospel that we share is the call of Christ to take up your cross daily to follow him. And that call of Christ is a call to... Uh, to follow Jesus Christ no matter what. When that gospel does take real root, it doesn't matter what the difficulty is that comes up because following Christ is all that we have. There are some that will spring up who have not 
taken, uh, taken that to heart. They take the message of Jesus Christ to be something that is a nice add-on to their life or some benefit that they find. But as soon as difficulty or persecution or trial comes, then they wilt away. Once more, I'd say don't be surprised and don't be deterred. Continue to share that message and share the message that is, a, is that radical call to follow Christ no matter what. For it is better to lose your life for Christ's sake because in losing your life, you will find it, says Jesus. And some seed fell among the thorns. So kids, uh, what would it be like if your mom gave you some seeds and instead of going out and, and planting them in the garden that your parents have prepared, that it's all of this nice Oklahoma red dirt, maybe with some nice cow manure mixed in so that it's nice and fertilized, and it's all ready for you to plant the seeds. Instead of planting them there, you go out about the back fence where there are weeds and there are thistles and there are vines that are growing up and maybe some thorns that are back there. And you just take the seeds and you go like this into the thorns. Well, once again, it may be that you'll get something that grows there. But the competition is too much. What Jesus says is that they grow up, but the thorns choke them out. They don't have any room to do anything. And he says, these are like those who hear the message, who spring up, but the cares of the world choke it out. And he names them the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things. I think of this class of individual as the self-indulgence. And honestly, self-indulgence is as dangerous as the trial of persecution, isn't it? Broad and easy is the path that leads to destruction, and many go down that path blithely, amusing themselves to death. Literally amusing themselves to death. Finding the comfort of their own bodies and minds as more important than the care of their souls. This prompts us to share a gospel, not a gospel, the gospel, that makes it plain that Christ calls us to renounce all of those false idols of this world, to follow after him, to find life in him, and in finding life, finding meaning for this world. It is the indulgence of this life that can choke out that message of the gospel. 
We live in a society that loves its pleasures, that loves its comforts, and it is one that that takes the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ to pierce that heart so that they recognize the only way of salvation is Jesus Christ. And finally, some men and women receive the word. And like the seed falling on good ground, they grow healthy and strong. So remember that plot of ground that I just told you about, that nice Oklahoma dirt that's all been fertilized and it's been chopped up because it so, has so much clay in it that it gets really hard in the summertime. And it's well watered and it's ready to go. And you put seeds in that ground. And what happens? Well, in a month's time, you have flowers that are blooming and tomato plants that are putting on little green tomatoes and green beans and carrots and all of those things that you like to eat. And this is Christ's doing. He is at work calling men, women, and children to himself. And since it is his work, we can pray boldly for that harvest. Put it a little more directly. You must pray boldly for that harvest. And particularly, I urge you to pray for the first fruits of that harvest. And by that, I mean pray for conversions of those who are outside of the church to hear of Jesus Christ, to hear of the way of salvation, to flee that wrath to come and to come to Christ. Pray for those first fruits of the gospel. I was in a meeting just uh, last week or the week before with Rom in our church extension and evangelism committee. And Rom was observing, as many others have, that there is something of a picture of the Reformed church that goes like this. That the Baptists convert people and the Reformed Church disciples them. Woe to us if that be true, honestly. Woe to us for our negligence in sharing the gospel and praying and laboring for the first fruits of the gospel. That is a sad reputation, and I pray that it would be one that you work against. There is a place for discipling those who are young and nurturing up those that are growing in faith. That is a very important work. That's part of disciple-making that Christ has called you to. But as ones that have received the word of life I pray that you would continue to spread that seed and pray and labor for conversions. These four different seeds illustrate really the two responses to the gospel. 
the response of receiving that word to everlasting life, and the response of turning away from it for a variety of reasons. In that light and seeing that, I'll give you a third larger heading that this parable teaches you to be patient, to be persevering, and to be bold in doing this work. Imagine the disciples who first heard this parable. In fact, they ask him about it. Imagine the disciples who are there with their Lord, and they have been given to understand uh, that here is the Messiah that they have waited for. And can you imagine the burden that they have as, as Christ himself is scattering that seed and people are rejecting him? And out of a burden for what they have received, they ask about these parables. Lord, you have the words of life. Where will we go? That's the recognition that they have. So Jesus told them this parable to help them to understand the work of the ministry that he was calling them to. That he is the one who is sowing the word. And that there will be some who receive it to everlasting life. And that there's, there are some who it will be meaningless. In fact, they will see and not, uh, and not perceive. They will hear and not understand to their own condemnation. The same is true today. Imagine that you each have friends and family members and co-workers who live lives that are uncaring about the Lord Jesus Christ, who never pay attention to the warning or the invitation of the gospel. They are hard-hearted, shallow, and indulgent. And such were some of you. Such were all of you and me. Christ will have his church. Christ will have his church. Christ will have converts to turn away from that way of self-destruction and indulgence. And Christ is at work. And he is at work through the church calling people to come to him for salvation. If it is Christ who gives life, and it is, then that does give us patience and perseverance and boldness. We don't know those that God is calling to himself. Instead, we follow that example of Jesus Christ who scatters his seed broadly. Isn't it amazing that Jesus, who does know everyone who belongs to him, 
still went preaching and teaching to the broad community around him, calling people to repent, inviting them to find a place of refuge by faith in him. He didn't go just to those he knew that were elect, but he scattered that seed broadly. And so must you as a church. So must you as a pastor, Stephen. The words that you share are words that are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The gospel track that you give to a friend, the, the ones that you invite to church, and those that sit here and hear the gospel have an opportunity to hear that word of life. And so with patience and perseverance and boldness, share the words of Jesus Christ on whatever level God has called you and equipped you to do so. And knowing that it is Jesus Christ that calls you to do this and it is the Lord's work to change hearts, I want to exhort you to be careful not to become uh, not to let patience become laziness. To not let patience become a lack of concern for the souls of those around you. To not let patience or perseverance become self-righteousness. That you have something that nobody else will understand. Rather, let this parable add a focus to your prayer. Let it add an intense earnestness on your patience and perseverance and your labor. Wait on the Lord as you do the work that he has given you to do. Wait on the Lord prayer, praying that God would indeed be scattering the seed through you, scattering it near and far, and that he would be breaking up the stony hearts of those who hear it that he would do that work that only he can do so that some would receive that word. And in receiving, that the Spirit would plant that word deeply in many hearts so that it springs up to everlasting life and bears rich fruit. May God bless you as you go forward as a congregation here sitting under the ministry of that word of God through Stephen Mulder as your pastor, who is proclaiming that message. And then take that with you as you go into this community and scatter the seed broadly with confidence, patience, perseverance, and boldness. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our God, we do pray that you would do that work that is your work, to bring conversion to those who hear the gospel. Lord, you have given us work to do. By your spirit and by the authority of Jesus Christ, we pray that there would be a, a light of proclamation that goes forth here in Oklahoma City. We're so thankful for the work that is already being done by this body of Christ. Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon them to give them uh, that patience and perseverance and boldness to share the seed of the gospel with those around them. Lord, renew them in their efforts. 
Renew them in their prayers for the lost. And we pray that you would grant them much fruit as they share and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. For in his name we pray. Amen. Take your psalters and turn to Psalm 126. It speaks of the sowing of the seed. It's a beautiful context that is behind this psalm of those who are coming back from being in captivity, coming back to a land that has been ravaged by occupation, cities destroyed, fields no longer being, uh, being sown or harvested, and it describes those who go out into those fields and who sow seeds with tears because they know what has been ruined by their own sin and the judgment that had come upon them. And yet, and yet, there is a harvest that comes. And the psalm closes with a rejoicing at that harvest that they do receive and that they anticipate. And that is our prayer as well, to anticipate and see the harvest that Christ will work in us. I invite you to please stand and sing Psalm 126b.